0: It's a blessing to be here this morning. Thank God for each and every one of you. Um, your smiling faces. They weren't, but they are now. See yeah. See what I just did there? <laughs> uh, I figured we'd get our smiles out now before I start preaching about Jonah. Uh, we are, we, we've been um, tracking through the book, and we're not going to go all the way through the book, but we are today going to uh, look at Jonah uh, the end of the first chapter, um, the end of the first chapter, and the beginning uh, uh, to the middle, no, to the end of the second chapter. Jonah. Chapter 1, verse 17. And it reads And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. And he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me. Uh, All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, "I, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep Surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head, wrapped about my head, and at the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you. Into your holy temple, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for uh, Uh, this people, Lord, and we pray um, the opening of your words, the opening of our hearts, and your purpose and will, Lord, uh, taking place, your name being glorified. Ask for a fresh anointing to preach and anointing to receive your word, Lord, and that you will let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You are my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, is anybody a big uh, swimmer in here? Any, any swimmers? Anybody love swimming? No? We had one swimmer, <laughs> two swimmers. <laughs> Thought it'd be more swimmers for sure. Um, I've been meeting a lot of adults lately who don't know how to swim at all. But I used to love swimming. I'm not going to tell you how fast I was swimming. Swimming. <laughs> It wouldn't be true, but I loved swimming, and I used—I I couldn't wait till the summer broke so that we can go to the pool and swim. Um, in, in Philly, we had uh, neighborhood pools, so you had to wait till the neighborhood pool opened, and uh, we would go down to the neighborhood pool. And those pools would be very crowded, and we found out quickly that those pools could also be a little dangerous uh, with people and kids trying to dunk you, we call it, uh, that is grab you and submerge you underwater until you can't breathe. Uh, and so I, I was so happy when one of my relatives, an uncle of mine, bought a house in New Jersey and the house had a pool in the backyard. I wanted to move in. Uh, uh, we, we would swim there day and night. And then I found out, though, that even those pools can be dangerous uh, uh, one day we were over there celebrating it was a holiday, and uh, I was there with a uh, you know with family and a close friend of mine who um, I, I, I called a brother and We were all at the edge of the pool and going to dive into the deep end of the pool. We counted the three and uh, we stopped it was a it was a joke and and he my my friend he's the, he do- he dove in he was the only one that dove in. And so when he dove in, we went about our business, we laughed, and, and then we, we saw him coming up and splashing, and splashing his hands, but he was the kind of guy that played around a lot, and so we were like, stop playing, you know, and, and, but he kept splashing, and, and we didn't really pay you know, attention to it. And then uh, a few minutes later, what it seemed like a few minutes later, we looked and noticed that uh, he was down in the deep end of the pool, in a uh, curled-up position. And I froze, uh, and, and one of my relatives jumped in the pool, dove in, and pulled him out. And when he pulled him out, he was uh, lifeless, uh, just there. And, and someone began CPR, and uh, uh, and then the ambulance arrived, and they were able to resuscitate him, and uh, he was able to pull through. He was able to uh, get to the hospital and pull through. Um, he was never able to describe what happened to him in the pool, though, because uh, we didn't know that when he jumped in, uh, he, his head hit uh, a slanted part of the bottom of the pool that was the deep end, and um, he was never and he passed out, so he was never able to really explain what was happening to him there in the pool or even after. Um, but almost 30 years later, He still will not get into another pool. Uh, That's how traumatic it was to him. I I can only imagine what it's like uh, being under the water and not able to come up. And and, in the scripture today, we hear exactly what it felt like to almost lose life in the water, but be saved from it by God's grace. We may not know what it's like to be drowning in a sea, but somebody might know what it's like to be in a, a deep place under a weight of a suffocating situation, uh, feeling like you might never make it out. Maybe like Jonah, we in those times prayed a desperate prayer and that's the title, desperate praying, a desperate prayer. Um, we've been watching Jonah on the run for a few weeks now, uh, uh, he, he's been on a run from God's call to go preach to his enemies in Nineveh. He runs the opposite way that he's called. He gets on a boat going the other way, and he ends up in a storm. Uh, and, and, and all that's happened, Jonah still had not prayed to the Lord. In the, <clears throat> in the storm, uh, clearly he was in the wrong, but he never prayed. The, the so-called heathens and or pagans. The the unbelievers on the boat, they even learned how to call on the Lord during the storm. But not Jonah. He wouldn't talk to God, not until he found himself tossed in the water. Thrown into the water, Jonah ends up in a desperate situation. It's not just uh, here a story about a problem. Jonah was going through a real life or death situation. They didn't throw him into the deep end of the public pool. Uh, They threw him into the sea, but even there, God can show grace. Verse 17 says, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This verse serves as a hinge from the first chapter into the next Adding to the list of what God has done so far and revealing what he has in store for his runaway prophet, Jonah. uh, He sent him to preach to the great city, Nineveh. When Jonah ran, God hurled a great wind and caused a great storm. He sparked great terror in the men, and it all ended in great fear and reverence for God. Now there's a great fish. If, if I was a betting man, i say that there is great significance in this short prophetic book. Something of high importance that God uh, wants us to take notice of for our lives. The, the fact that God appointed a great fish is, is at once and at the same time a demonstration of his grace, his mercy, his sovereignty, and his power to deliver. Uh, only a sovereign God could appoint a sea creature of perfect size and at the perfect moment to take hold of Jonah. It's an act of mercy, grace, and deliverance that the fish swallowed him, held him for three days, saving his life and not ending his life. Uh, we, we, we don't need to argue today that the, the science of this supernatural event um, I know someone might be thinking about it, but we're not going to. Uh, because we, we can agree maybe and recognize that the one who created the sun, the earth, the stars, uh, uh, it, it, uh, is more than capable of demonstrating power in a smaller act, such as a fish picking up Jonah. I think we can agree on that. Amen. Amen. It's, it's amazing that he did it, but in the text, I think it's even more amazing how this verse points forward to God's work of redemption in Jesus Christ. Uh, we know this because Jesus himself points backwards to it and tells us what happens to Jonah was a miraculous sign uh, that, that's going to illustrate his own death, burial, and resurrection. We find it is as as he's being challenged by the religious leaders uh, in Matthew, chapter 12, uh, verses 38 through 40. It reads, it says, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Uh, Jesus said it was a sign. Now, Jonah not being privileged to see that far, all he can look at is the danger of his current situation. And, and, and he prays a desperate prayer. Desperate prayers. Desperate prayers are prayers that, that feel and acknowledge the danger or suffering of a situation, but still grab on to hope. After recognizing that God is in control, desperate prayers usually end with giving thanks. He prays a desperate prayer. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, and from the belly of the fish saying I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice then Jonah prayed he finally prayed he had he had ran he, he had slept he had surrendered uh, been hurled into the sea and now he prayed why why is prayer So many times, a last resort. Isaiah 26 and 16 says that, it says here, O Lord, in distress they sought you. They poured out a whispered prayer when your discipline was upon them. Seems like God knows us, doesn't it? Here Jonah recalls what happens between the ship and the belly of the fish. In the belly of the fish. We have this this prayer here in the form of a psalm. Using the language of of, of many different psalms, Jonah takes this traumatic event and describes it with poetic phrases so it can be remembered by those who would read it later. Uh, Because he writes this prayer out as a psalm uh, afterwards, of course, uh, it, it has the structure and form of Hebrew poetry to it. Having, having a, a, a pairing of thoughts instead of rhymes like English poetry does. Verses 2 and 7 acknowledge Jonah praying, while verses 3 through 6 fluctuate with his physical and emotional experiences, drifting between life and death, uh, between hope and despair all ending with this, with his declaration and confession in verses 8 and 9. Here in, in verse 2, we see it's no ordinary situation or prayer. It's desperate. He, he says he called and he cried to the Lord. Uh, the, the, the call uh, that he gave is a, is a plea for someone's attention, but then the cry is a more intense request for help. Anybody ever call and cry? When, when my daughter was younger, she had a habit of being upstairs and calling downstairs to her mom. Uh, uh, the problem was that sometimes she would yell downstairs with this blood-curdling screech, Mom! And everyone in the house would run upstairs because we definitely thought she was dying. And, and, and she'd be lying in the bed wanting a cup of juice or something. We had, to, we had to teach her that that kind of scream was reserved for emergencies only. Uh, I, I, I think that's what Jonah was feeling here. It was a 911 call he was making from the sea. He was calling from a place of distress, and he described his location as Sheol. That's a the, the place reserved for the dead, a grave. Uh, it, it was a desperate prayer Jonah was making. But... Even in this, after being caught by the fish, he can say that the Lord heard him. How comforting that the Lord heard him. He goes on to acknowledge God's control in his circumstances. He says, for you cast me into the deep. Verse 3, into the heart of the seas and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. You see him fluctuate between despair and hope. Instead of blaming God for what is happening to him, he's rightly acknowledging that the Lord made it happen. Even though, even though the sailors lifted him and hurled him into the sea, he recognizes that God had directed and was in control of his situation. Yet, he, he, he doesn't deny his suffering. Uh, right now, as he's there, the, the sailors were enjoying a calm, peaceful uh, 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 float on the waters, the sailors were, were, were cruising. And he was sinking, experiencing what he said was the surging and crashing waves of God pulling him down and under. He had, he had been running and fleeing the presence of the Lord since the beginning of this text. And now it looks like God gave him what he thought he wanted, uh, to flee from the presence. He finds himself out in the middle of the sea appearing to finally be sent away, expelled, put out from the presence of God. Nothing but but confidence though in in God's mercy could have given Jonah the hope to say yet I shall look upon the temple. Not only did Jonah envision surviving his situation but even Even he had the uh, the audacity to imagine being back in the presence of God at God's temple. Desperate prayer acknowledges the pain of a situation, but it still clings to the hope of God. Jonah would, would, would hit bottom before he could experience the deliverance that he was hoping for. It said, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Drowning, he says that the deep Was surrounding him. The word deep used here is the same word used to describe how the earth was covered with the waters of chaos and darkness in the beginning, before God spoke the light. Jonah was under it all, no light, tangled in the seaweed at the base of the mountains in the sea. In verse 6, you hear what should have been the last thoughts of a dying man. He had been descending and going down ever since he started running from God. And now he reached bottom, the place for dead men. He uses uh, the word bars to describe the gates of death, the place from uh, where many believe men can't return. Jonah says forever because he felt this would be his final stop. This is a good place for but God. The God who heard him put a comma where there should have been a period. Has God ever done that for anyone? Yeah. Ever, ever been to a, in a place or a situation that you knew could have been the end, but God heard your desperate prayer? When you have those, hey, those stories of, of deliverance, it, it, it gives you a different perspective of God. God brought him up from the pit. Jonah goes on remembering that when he had just about given up all hope, he he felt his life slipping away and he called on the Lord. Jonah was deep in his pit, but even there he could reach God in prayer. And God's grace reached him. From his watery grave, the Lord lifts him up. And he also gives us a picture of of what the resurrection is like when it's it's just not over. Jonah's desperate prayer became a testimony of God's deliverance and a psalm of thanksgiving when when he realized what the Lord had done. Those who pay regard, verse 8, to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. In these last two verses, Jonah compares a life of worshiping false gods and idols to a life devoted to the Lord. He comes to the conclusion that wasted dedication to worthless things will force you to miss or turn away from God's faithful love. Uh, The love that that gives hope and can be counted on, not only in the desperate times, but at all times. His faithful, steadfast love. It's ironic that Jonah winds up here in the same position as the sailors from chapter 1, who turned to the Lord with sacrifices and vows. No longer running and disobedient, Jonah decides and promises to give the Lord what he owes. In Jonah's time, a worshiper usually didn't show up to prayer empty-handed. They brought an offering of sacrifice. Uh, I, I know there's nothing now we could bring to God to match what he's given us, but I don't believe we should come with nothing. I, I, the hymn writer of Alas and Did My Savior Bleed says it well drops of grief could never repay the debt of love I owe. Here Lord I give myself away tis all that I can do. After, after giving his word about the sacrifice Jonah makes a confession that really sums up the whole book. Salvation belongs to the lord he alone provides it however whenever wherever and to whoever he pleases salvation belongs to the lord it's his prerogative to deliver and to save speaking through isaiah god says it this way he says i i am the lord and besides me there is no savior I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you, and you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. In Isaiah chapter 43, verses 11 and 12. Here, God's response it says, And the Lord in verse 10 spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land and everything that was done God's purpose was never in jeopardy he allowed Jonah to start over the same mercy he showed to Jonah he was determined to show to the city of Nineveh where where he first sent Jonah even if it means bringing uh, the prophet back to dry land by way of a fish his will will be done we, we, won't, we won't go all the way on this journey with Jonah into Nineveh, uh, but the last chapters of this book would show us that what Jonah experienced here in his desperate prayer, the grace, the hope, the mercy, the deliverance, he never desired for others outside of Israel to experience. He is, a, he is a selfish in prayer. He never prayed a desperate prayer for the sailors. And and even though he goes on from the fish and, and, and gives them the message from God, he never prayed a desperate prayer for Nineveh. He moves forward with the mission but has no real heart change toward the people. He never takes to heart the danger of their situation. If they didn't repent, God was going to destroy them. We never find Jonah calling and crying out to God for them or anyone else. So in his desperate prayer, Jonah stands as an example of what to do and at the same time, what not to do. Thanks be to God for the word of God. Because if we continue, though, in the scriptures to the one who uses Jonah's experience for an example, to the Savior, Jesus uh, we we hear desperate prayers for others uh, uh, with, with tears. Uh, we can hear Jesus in the eleventh chapter of John uh, 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 praying for those around the grave site of Lazarus. Uh, we could hear him in, in the seventeenth chapter of John praying for his disciples that he whom he would soon be leaving after the resurrection, uh, and, and not only praying for them but also praying for. Folks like us who will believe on him because of their testimony. Uh, Jesus prayed desperate prayers and, 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 and not least of all as he hung dying on the cross, suffering himself, but considering the danger of the situation for others, he cries out to his father, even for his enemies. Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. A desperate prayer. How does this impact our lives? Are are all of our desperate prayers for ourselves, uh, or for, are they for our, our family and or, or our friends? Desperate prayers should should not be reserved for our trouble only. Others need our desperate prayers. The lost, the hurting, the oppressed need our desperate prayers. So consider desperate prayer. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your example. Uh, Your example, Lord, in, in Jonah. Your example in Christ. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that you call us to connect to and uh, be mindful of in prayer the suffering of others, the dangerous positions that others find themselves in, Lord, when they are not connected to you. Help us, Lord, to uh, pray in a way that uh, cries and calls out to you, Lord, even on their behalf. We thank you for this time and your word. We thank you, Lord, for your message. Uh, Lord, let it find a, a deep place in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.